Welcome everyone to the Vocal Revolution. This is where we talk about how you can use your voice to change your world personally and collectively. And I am so thrilled today because my guest, Steph Turner, is here to talk to us about the voice of loss and how sharing and expressing our loss can actually be transformative in creative ways. So we're going to be looking at that, particularly because here in the UK, we're just starting to ease out of lockdown and to process some of the loss that we've all experienced in the last year. So this feels very very uh, topical, very, very relevant at this particular moment. And I'm wearing my Wonder Woman t-shirt today because I have a Wonder Woman with me. (laughs) And Steph is just innately, wonderfully creative. And she originally trained as a ceramicist at St. Martin's. And then she's gone on to do all sorts of wonderful things. I first met her when she was working at St. Christopher's Hospice. And we worked together on creative projects around a project called Compassion as Neighbours there, which was absolutely joyful. And I was really moved by the way in which she used creativity to draw communities together. And she's gone on to do that in many, many other wonderful settings, including the NHS and Good Gym. And she's now co-director of the Loss Project, who work to help people process experiences of grief, loss and trauma creatively. And I'm sure there's just lots more. I'm just tapping on the surface of Steph's experience and she can tell us more about her story as we get going. But I just wanted to give you a brief intro and to welcome Steph. Thank you so much for joining us today, Steph. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. It's such an honour to be here and um, really exciting for us to reconnect as well because... um, Yeah, as you mentioned, I I really enjoyed working with you and love the opportunity to kind of creatively riff with each other. So really looking forward to today. Thank you so much. I love that. Yeah, let's riff. Here we go. (laughs) It's the vocal revolution riffing. Hooray. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you for making time. And yeah, it is always a pleasure. And I always know that having conversations with you is always insightful and enriching. And I'm sure it's going to be for everybody listening. And thanks very much if you're tuning in and listening today. We really appreciate your time. And please, of course, if you have any comments or insights, feel free to write or share wherever you are listening on whatever platform we'd really love to hear how you feel about this topic and it's not an easy one to get started with in a way loss but we all experience loss don't we and we and it's an inevitable part of life you know even without lockdown and covid and pandemics loss is an integral part of our lives and how we transform it is part of what we're going to be talking today but steph tell us a little bit more first about your story and how you came to 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 you know your journey of creativity how you've come to this point where you are now which i know it's, it's always an ongoing journey a creative journey how's it been for you yeah thank you katie um well, I suppose I've always been creative. I just have lovely, fond memories of being a little child and being very messy, covered in paint and glitter and various different things. Um, spending a lot of time outside um, in nature. Um, and I grew up on a farm, so kind of physically quite isolated, but a really strong sense of kind of community and identity. Um, 
And um, I suppose those things have kind of carried me forward throughout uh, my life personally, but also professionally. And um, I, as you mentioned, I went on to train as a ceramicist. Um, I always knew I wanted to go to art college and really wanted to move away from the rural country life. So moved to central London um, and had an incredible time there, but also quite a difficult time kind of landing myself in a completely different city, not really knowing anybody, um, being surrounded by people, but the paradox of actually not having anyone to connect with in a mm. deeper way. Um, and so I actually felt a huge sense of um, disconnection and perhaps loss, you know, pro probably a lot of loss at that point. Mm. Um, and I suppose my kind of creative journey um, personally through my degree, but then also um, professionally on into my career has really helped me to make sense of some of those things. But I've really seen the power for creativity to connect us with ourselves around difficult subjects like loss. But also I think it has huge potential to connect us with each other um, because we see these kind of more vulnerable parts of ourselves um, and each other and kind of hopefully recognise that we're not alone in that experience too. And um, I've always found different mediums like paint or ceramics or even, you know, singing and voice um, such an amazing way to kind of get out some of the feelings that we are experiencing and perhaps ones that we don't have words for as well. Um, language can be really great, but it can be really limiting sometimes, I think, because we only have certain words for certain things and perhaps that doesn't get across how we're actually feeling or the kind of um, complexities that we're feeling too. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for that insight. You've given us a lot there already to 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 think about and to share and to reflect on. And yeah, I really I really with you there about how creativity can take us through language and beyond language as well into something else, into other realms of expression. Um, and I can, yeah, you know, for some reason, I just got a vision of throwing red paint at a wall. But anyway, <laughs> maybe that's how I'm feeling today. But, you know, just doing something like that expresses ourselves in a very different way than just saying, oh, I'm feeling a bit rough or whatever. You know, you get to express yourself in a really vivid, uh, tangible, empowering way. And um, that vulnerability that you talked at the core, can you say a little bit more about that? Because, I mean, we know Brené Brown has done that incredible TED Talk. It's um, about the power of vulnerability. But And certainly I know when, when we sing together, there's always that element of risk and exposure when we open and share our voices together in any creative medium. Uh, there's, there's a little bit of risk and exposure and vulnerability there, isn't there? Um, can you say a bit more about how you relate to that and how you see that working in the groups you work with who are often very vulnerable? Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I think all of us, you know, are vulnerable in different ways and in different spaces and when we're talking about different things as well. Um, and yeah, as you said, I think creativity is a really interesting one in itself because it can be such a powerful tool to express ourselves as we've spoken about, but it can be so frightening to kind of get over the hurdle of Am I creative? What am I making? What does it look like? Um, and so there's a huge amount of vulnerability in and of itself kind of doing something creative. Um, and I know personally, um, I'm a singer, uh, but it's something that I'm hugely vulnerable about. And it's um, something that I've had to work on 
over a number of years because it's been something that's been a real release for me personally. But when it comes to sharing that with others, um, I've really gone into my shell. So I know we've we've worked really well together to um, kind of build on that. But um, yeah, that's kind of one example of um, kind of my personal experience of vulnerability and creativity. Um, despite kind of doing some of this work myself, that I still have to to do a lot of work. Um, on building my own um, confidence in front of others too. And I suppose the thing with uh, creativity, and I, I suppose weaved into that personal experience, the thing that I find most frightening is it feels like a exposing myself in some way or kind of giving a part of myself away, you know, that's open to critique from others. And, yes. and that feels really scary. Um, and so I suppose being creative also means you have to be a bit brave um but I think that the rewards are really really high from taking some of that risk and I think I I know we've spoken about it in the past before um I really believe that creativity is innate in all of us it's just about kind of coaxing it out or giving a bit of sparkle or confidence or whatever that kind of your inner creative needs are um and I've really um seen so many people who've perhaps not seen themselves as creative when they're given permission to be creative with uh, with no outcomes um with no uh, pressure to create something specific um they come they really surprise themselves actually and everyone else in the room or the zoom room as i'm <laughs> experiencing at the moment <laughs> um and you know and that's been really surprising actually talking about vulnerability um I've often hosted physical spaces where people have come together who were strangers and we all talk about perhaps a particular topic like loss, for example. And um, myself and Carly, when um, in the early days of the loss project, it was just before the pandemic um, hit. So kind of August 2019. And our plan was to always do things in person. We really felt like a topic like loss couldn't be done digitally, um, that it needed to be in person that we needed physical space and physical resources in order to be able to explore that meaningfully with people. Obviously the pandemic put a massive stop to that and actually it's really transformed our practice and it's surprised me and it surprises me all the time that you can have a Zoom room full of strangers and there's still just as much um, willingness and bravery and courage to share and just as much connection. It's just slightly different. It just, you know, it feels slightly different, but but the the stories that come out are just as powerful and the connections that people make are just as powerful. Um, so that's, yeah, surprised me in so many ways over the pandemic. I'm sure in your experience, you might have felt that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I myself went myself on a solo singing course just to see what that was like on Zoom and to learn myself as a facilitator because I think as a facilitator very important to always being put yourself in a position of being facilitated so that you're doing that ongoing work that you mentioned which is about you know facing one's own vulnerability and going to the next level of creativity and within oneself but then also how to support others in that virtual space and I have been running solo singing workshops as well as choirs um, from through the pandemic and like you say there's just immense bravery, immense support, uh, immense 
And despite the fact of the kind of physical disconnect, there is a more, there are sometimes different intimacies or different closenesses that come. I mean, the fact that we're all seeing each other at home and we're seeing, hey, I'm seeing you in your lounge where you live. That's kind of intimate, you know, and I remember being quite freaked out to begin with, like feeling oh, my choirs have been in my lounge. <laughs> but, you know, that, and, and so it is, it's intimate, it's close. And there is an intimacy um, that can still be found um, when we are online together, which does, and of course, that we have had no choice. So we've had to make it work and people want it to work. Therefore, when we have a strong creative intention, um, energy goes where intention is and uh, and and we get results from that you know and and I loved what you said about people getting rewards um especially when they're just giving freedom without prescriptive outcomes just to be just to play just to have a go just to give it a go just to have a try that permission to play that permission to experiment to be creative and then the rewards come from from being in a space that gives us that permission. So could you tell us of some, you've, you've touched on them, seeing some of these stories, whether it's online or offline, but what are some of your favourite stories of people's getting those rewards of, of the risk-taking? Yeah, I've run a, a, a creative group online, so just weekly one-hour sessions with people um, as just a well-being opportunity, really, just an hour to try a new creative um, experience so I've done lots of different things from kind of homemade mono printing to um, pointillist painting so loads of really different genres um, but hopefully an opportunity for people just to reconnect with their playful side as you said and and often as adults we don't have these opportunities just to play around the creative technique um, because perhaps we, we don't have time for that or we feel it's a bit too frivolous or um, you know we don't want to get all of the messiness out on the on the kitchen table but actually it's so rewarding and um I so I was working with a group um over about eight weeks and throughout that there were some lovely stories emerging of um people who uh, one woman in particular was uh, was saying about how it reminded her of uh, collaging we did a collage uh, workshop and it reminded her of being a child um, and but also it reminded her of um, her kids when they were younger and they she had this whole conversation with her children about uh, a, a story that they shared together around collaging and how lovely that was and being able to kind of reconnect with that memory um, and someone else took that um idea of collaging and actually she was a carer for her daughter and she uh, did some collage work with her daughter and she said that that session kind of gave her the confidence to be able to do that um, again I think someone that perhaps might have described herself as not particularly creative but enjoyed creative stuff but perhaps might not have ever imagined sort of leading her own collage session for somebody else she knows um, and what's really sort of curious in a way with with that is that my sessions weren't um very uh prescriptive we just allow people to play with whatever materials they had um and just having the time to do that um having some nice relaxing music on having no kind of pressure but having a real opportunity to kind of celebrate between the group at the end I think just gave people confidence to be like yeah I can do this outside of the one hour session 
it's just a bit of paper and glue. I'm just going to try it. What's the worst that will happen? Um, and I think it really, yeah, leads on to other things. And another example recently um, in a very different setup. So through some of my work in the Lost Project, we run various different sessions for different groups of people. And I was really struck by um, a woman who's a frontline worker who came to one of our um, sessions, which is called Making Space for Loss. So encouraging people just to share about whatever's going on for them. Um, and we do this exercise about giving loss a shape. Uh, and the idea is that... Um, you know, we might feel or have lots of kind of thoughts or feelings around our experience of loss. Actually, if we could make it physical, what would it look like? And it will probably change every day, every minute of the day. Um, it could be 101 different things. Um, but this woman drew a particular image um, or series of images, really. And and when she looked back on it, she was really struck by what that meant to her because instantly she could see a new side to her experience of loss that she hadn't quite thought about before until she put it into an image. And um, and I just think, again, those are those, it's really simple doing something like that. Um, and you could even do something like that yourself, just, you know, checking in with how you're actually feeling, just grabbing a biro and a back of an old newspaper and just drawing out what your feelings might look like um and you know I'm not a therapist and I'm not an art therapist and it's not about kind of over analyzing those things but sometimes it can just really help to give you a bit of an insight into um what you're actually feeling um some clues about what it might be saying what your experience is saying to you maybe deep down um and I think that's another reason you know I've heard with some of your other guests talking about the the power of creativity and it and this you know almost like this kind of soul connection or this um connection to something other than and I think it you know it does offer an opportunity to connect to our unconscious um in a different way um and yeah I'm always uh fascinated by that uh it, it never gets boring this stuff even I if I ask the same question I could do that exercise every day with different well even with the same people and it would be profound every time I think just because because we're all kind of living it at the moment especially as you you were saying in the intro we're all living these different losses and um and grief is a is a funny one because um you know often it's a bit of a taboo in our society um we are scared about asking people how they're doing if they're grieving because we don't want to upset them. So we don't know often the right thing to say. Um, you know, perhaps we we feel, uh, you know, grief can feel incredibly messy, but maybe the world doesn't allow us to be messy in our mm. grief too. Um, but also there's, we, we often come across people who, who've experienced different losses and there is a sense of kind of hierarchy over what loss is worse than another loss in a, in a, in a, to an extent. And I think the reality is all of us have, have experienced some kind of loss over the last 14 months or so. And just about giving permission again, just giving permission to grieve that. And there's been quite a number of articles, I think, over the last year about, you know, that, that feeling that we're feeling is grief. Uh, but it's quite difficult to to acknowledge that and let alone kind of know what to do with it, I suppose. So, Yeah. And, and the joy of creativity being a healthy 
mode of expressing it. That's what I think, because there's a lot of things we can do with grief and some of them are more destructive, shall we say, than others. You know, we could just go and get smashed or get high. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with those things. I'm not being morally judging anyone that does that, but I'm just saying we have choices, don't we, what we're doing with our grief and how we choose to express it. And I've always felt that creativity and what I've seen even is that the need for external substances to self-medicate decreases when we are in touch with our creativity and that we we can choose and we feel like we are rather than our grief overwhelming us which it will and there's no doubt that when those big waves come they are overwhelming and there is and you have to just let them through um so we're not trying to control grief but we're trying to channel it in healthy creative ways so that those big waves that come um there's something to do there's something to share there's something to express that in a healthy way um and i think particularly that can really help with violence i see violence as a very extreme form of expression and communication uh, which has gone become destructive and so if we were able i think to process and as you say society doesn't give us much permission for that you know it's supposed to be happy productive you know all the time mm, it's just not life it's and not. neat and tidy you know that yeah. and, and 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 not and too black and white in a way like grief is so, you can hold 10 different emotions at the same time they could be completely contradictory but you're holding all of them at the same time and none mm. of you know and but, but that's very difficult to explain and it's very difficult to have the spaces to um yeah kind of get some of those things out and um yeah and there's there's so much kind of power in grief that sounds um you know that might it's a, sort of a bit difficult in a way to think of it in in those terms but I was reflecting earlier before our conversation and and also thinking about song and just think about how many songs are about grief and loss um like quite a lot of pretty much a lot of <laughs> a lot of songs and a lot of art you know so many you go to a gallery so much about um art and what we might see in it and find in it is is about loss um or, you know, a kind of journey through loss to something else like hope. That's right. And there's beauty in loss and there's motivation for change. I've always found, and I think a lot of people have found this through lockdown, that our experience of loss in terms of being losing so many different aspects of our lives and access to so many aspects of the life that we were used to living. And yet that has forced us to really reflect on our lives and go, well, what is really important? What do I still have? How can I maintain the connections that I still have? How can I stay in touch even though I've lost physical connection with people? Um, how can I build different connections? So, And so loss is motivating, I find, as well. That's just another aspect to it. You know, and I don't be, mean by that the positive thinking police, like, okay, let's make something brilliant happen because we've had loss. No, <laughs> loss is just loss and it hurts. It really hurts. And I think being able to just really be with that hurt is the is the primal thing that we have to acknowledge first but I do have found it to be tremendously powerful in my own life in terms of catalyzing me personally to change and that's why I've seen a lot of my friends suddenly decide they're going to move house or go somewhere different or do some things differently in life over this period and I think that's happening on a big scale as well I hope towards the good um that yeah 
loss catalyzes. It's a catalyst. And that if you can take that big wave and if you can do something creative with it, even if it is just throwing some paint around and that being the expression of something that feels so private, but because it becomes externalized, it, it becomes something that we can then see and gain insight about. Actually, that reminds me, I remember we did a project once in a hospital with some people with uh, respiratory issues and one lady, and it was about representing people's breath and one lady's cough got represented and she said, wow, I've never seen it like that before. And her cough was this beautiful thing, whereas before it had been a pathology. It had been something she was, you know, embarrassed of, ashamed of or whatever. And it transformed her experience of seeing her cough, you know, externalized. So I'm sure you must have lots of stories like that where people have externalized these inner processes of loss and then have that transformational insight, as you say, about it, seeing it and reflecting on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I said earlier that also by externalizing it, and if we choose to share that with other people, it can be really connecting. And I think there is a lot of loneliness in loss and grief. Um, and that is really difficult. And it's, you know, compounded by the fact that it's difficult to talk about, that perhaps we don't know what to say to other people, maybe we can't find the spaces to, but as I mentioned before, there is there is such I've witnessed incredible connections that are formed because someone's been brave enough to say how they actually feel. Um, and and we've run um, a, a big part of what we're trying to do at the Loss Project is to champion people with lived experience of loss and grief. So rather than coming at it from a professional perspective, um, actually, what can we learn from people who've experienced it? And what, what do they want the world to know about grief and loss? Or what would they like to change um, to make sure our society is a more loss positive place to, to exist in? Um, and, you know, this should absolutely exist alongside services and professionals because those things are really needed but actually as you were saying loss is something that's kind of universal for all of us so what about kind of reclaiming it as as part of our life too and uh we've worked with uh yeah great people who've been brave enough to share a little bit about what worked really well when they were grieving but also perhaps what didn't work so well and the things that they were surprised by or maybe felt a little let down by um and also thinking about how how could we encourage people to start having some conversations around grief and loss. Um, we've worked with um, a fantastic um, a group of illustrators through um, a group called Riot Super Women of Colour Artists Group. Um, and they've helped us to create some fantastic illustrations about just the feelings of loss and grief, some kind of things on what you might like to say to somebody that might you might find helpful but also kind of giving people permission to grieve and and to have a cry on the sofa if they need to and to not feel like they have to put on a, a show or, or a, a front for others um and I think something you know even something as simple as that can be really helpful just to, as a gentle reminder of uh, of what um what we can do for ourselves um I was also thinking of another example of um, a group of people uh, we've worked with recently um, with, a, with a number of different organisations and um, we've done a film-based project around grief and loss and again that's been 
incredible, a group of people who'd never used film before, um, using stock footage, using their own stories, using their own writing, recording their voices, putting music to something. They've created these incredible uh, stories. Uh, show, also, I suppose sort of showing the some of the challenges they've experienced through grief, but also a hope for change for the future. Um, so we had um, a wonderful, um, but really, you know, quite a, um, an intriguing film about the medicalization of grief as well, um, which is another topic that I know a lot of people we've spoken with um, you know, there's there's a there's a place for various different um, interventions, but actually, um, as I said before, grief is something that all of us are going to experience, and so rather than it's treated like a disease, perhaps if it could just be treated as part of our lives, then we might feel more kind of comfortable to support each other through that. And that that made me think of uh, the woman that you mentioned in your group about the the breath. You know, actually seeing seeing it as you know maybe it's a difficult part of life, but it can be beautiful too um yeah and we can really connect over it absolutely well those beautiful insights from that work that you've shared with us really just amazing thank you because uh yeah I think this is and I love this idea of a grief friendly or grief positive uh society because if there was more permission um and there was more expression then it, it it wouldn't be perhaps so hard or so lonely to process either bereavements or um, or breakdowns of relationships or all the losses that we've experienced through social distancing, etc. There is more space for just everyone being able to say how they really feel rather than the I'm fine British mm. response. Um, you know, and and I'm sure it varies culturally, of course, because different cultures have different practices around grief. But I just um, having sung at funerals where I've noticed that, you know, white Western funerals. Um, yeah, just noticing the ridiculousness of people trying to kind of somehow embody the stiff upper lip whilst they're there to actually grieve. And, uh, and feeling like I almost had to cry the song in order to give them permission and to cry on their behalf and to lament on their behalf because they weren't expressing and they weren't saying because they were doing what they felt they should which is sit very you know upright and hold on to themselves and um yeah and I think that's a tremendous that's another layer of loss of loss you know the loss of loss itself yeah. whereas <laughs> when we actually reclaim loss and say this is my loss this is my experience of loss this is my feelings of loss that's mad and chaotic and and as you say they can be you can be feeling all sorts of things within loss there's a whole spectrum of things going on and when I reclaim that as energy for me then that is actually enormously empowering and to, to enable people to say, this is my unique process of loss. And this is how I'm, that's why again, creativity being such a great medium because no one person, as you say, is going to respond to that. What is your image for your loss? That's going to be different to each person, mm -hmm. but there will be something when they show that to somebody else who's experiencing loss, who I can bet that they will empathize and go, Oh, I can see perhaps an element of my own loss, or perhaps it's just really different, but it's giving me another, you know, another shape, another way for us to connect and go, yes, that's how, that's your loss. It looks like that. And mine looks like this. And, you know, just being able to have those conversations in healthy ways um, 
which isn't sadly part of our mainstream culture, which is a madness, really. But um, it's so wonderful you're doing this work. And and what would be, I mean, that, that lovely imagery exercise sounds really powerful as something for people to take away, to play with. But do you have any other sort of top tips for something people can do if they are at home feeling these states of loss, going through loss? What, you know, can they reach for their glitter? What what can we do um, <laughs> to to help us in these times, Steph? Just simple things. That you yeah, would... I mean, I think one thing that's really simple that I've personally found really helpful is just focusing on your breath. I mean, this is something that you don't need anything else for, but actually just um, focusing on the in and out, either through your nose or through your mouth, feeling your breath through your body, Um and actually, you know, sometimes things are so painful, that's what you need to focus on just to get through the next moment. And if that's what you need to do, then do that. That's OK. Um, and it can be a wonderful kind of grounding experience as well. Um, so I, I do that myself personally. We do a lot of that in, in our sessions as well to make sure that we are kind of grounded and connected and um, and remember to breathe because, you know, it's incredibly important. Um I suppose the other thing is, um, again, personally, I found uh, some kind of creative thing that helps me um, go into a state of flow. So something that perhaps isn't too um, overwhelming, something that might be quite simple, maybe something that you used to do as a child that was quite meditative. So my personal thing is um, embroidery. Um, and I just stitch while I'm watching the telly and um, if I'm trying to process something that was difficult and that is enough to kind of um, find a little bit of inner calm for me um, but it might be really different for different people so you know it could be just simply drawing it could just be drawing something really simple like um, circles and loads and loads of circles on the piece of paper or it could be um, going out for a walk um, it could just be kind of looking at a tree and looking at all of the different leaves and the different colours and perhaps closing your eyes and smelling and seeing what the smells, you know, those sorts of things. Just opportunities um, to, again, to kind of ground us into something. Um, and the other thing as well is um, it can be incredibly hard, but to reach out and try and speak to somebody. I think it's, um, we do a lot of work at the Lost Project um, trying to support I suppose people who aren't bereaved to know what to say or do and so I think the challenge with a lot of this stuff is that um, when you're grieving you don't also want to educate people around you around what, what you need but for some people you know sometimes articulating what you need if you know what that is can be really helpful to make sure you actually get that support and I think nine times out of ten what I hear from people is that, that they just want the opportunity to be heard so they just want someone to listen um so the reality is that you you know you if you're supporting a friend or a loved one who's experiencing grief or bereavement you you can't change what's happened and you can't fix anything because the worst has already happened but what you can do is just be alongside them um and and we have a lot of, you know, we've spoken about language today. We've got a lot of kind of phrases that we use around grief and loss that are, are meant to be kind of reassuring, I suppose. But actually, in a way, they can sometimes shut down conversation. So I find the best thing to do is just to ask simple questions like, um, do you feel like talking about about that today? Or, um, 
or can you tell me a bit about that person too because that's another thing I hear a lot is that one what once somebody has died people are afraid to bring up that person's name but you know that person's memories don't suddenly disappear that relationship doesn't disappear with their death so why would you suddenly not want to talk about that person and you know what it might be difficult for that person to talk about their loved one who's died but the worst thing they'll say is I don't want to talk about it um and um again um we found we found um another kind of helpful thing um that you could do creatively actually is thinking about different rituals to support yourself um but also different rituals to honor the person or perhaps the thing that you've lost um so the whole thing around loss and grief is that you know you wouldn't be experiencing those feelings if it wasn't something that was dear to you in some way or precious to you um so is there a way that you could connect into the aspects of the preciousness about it you know perhaps it's a particular um, memory with a person perhaps it's a particular object um, perhaps it's a particular color or a cd or a um, or a story that um, reminds you of that person or that time or that job or that relationship um, and something that was really dear to you in those moments um, and yeah it can be painful to reconnect to those things but it also can bring kind of moments of joy and reconnection in those times too um, so there's a few, a few examples, but there's loads more. And obviously people will find their own based on what, what, what suits them to. Well, thank you. That's really, really generous and really wonderful and things that I'm sure we can all take lots from that. And I was just feeling, reflecting at the end there where you were talking about being able to still feel connected to a person who's left your life for some reason, whatever reason. And I remember listening to an interview with someone who had lost his daughter in a tragic accident and he had found, he said, one thing that helped him was actually thinking about what she would have done mm -hmm. and then doing something that she would have done, like actually embodying her legacy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really beautiful thing is to acknowledge that the person continues, as you say, the memory of the person, their, their legacy, their 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 time here on this earth isn't just gone. It's not just, and in, in other cultures, it's a very, 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 very strong sense of the ancestral presence. Mm -hmm. um, and we have that in different ways, in, in different forms, whether it's through family trees, family history, people are fascinated by uh, whether it's family, but it might not be a d direct family member that you've lost, but still that there's legacy. And I believe we are all each other's ancestors, actually, uh, in this global community, and that we can keep and honour what we've learnt, what we've learnt, what we've, uh, how we've journeyed with a person, and then take that forward and say, what's just one thing that would keep, that would honour them that I could do, you know? Yeah beautiful and all beautiful rituals as you say like lighting candles or planting a tree or something you know those more uh, visceral things as well but there are many ways we can and do naturally I think instinctively on loss and creatively when we're left to do what our instinct tells us I believe that loss just like any of our other very powerful they're instinctive aren't they there's actually an instinct and I think what it is is about giving it permission 
to do what it needs to do. Like some days it is just lying on the floor crying. And then other days it will be, no, I need to clean the house from top to toe. I need to release things. I need to let go of things. Maybe I need to move house, whatever. So it's going to be different every day. Like you said, it's going to be different. But when we go with that instinct and let it do its thing, rather than being frightened of it um, or, or repressing it, I believe that's when it can be healthy. And then and that can be transformative for everyone else around us if we allow them into that experience, you know, and allow them to share their loss with us as well. So amazing, amazing. And, do, and you know, and then we get to, you know, the transformation of loss. And what does, in your experience, where does loss transform into as we journey through it? Because it's an ongoing journey. There's not like there's a completion or an end point, you know, it goes on, doesn't it? But, but, but how does it get maybe woven into, you know, other things do you feel or how does it transform? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. And I think um, I've spoken a lot uh, with different people about transformational qualities of grief. And I think, um, like you said, I think the challenge with, with that word maybe is that, that it, it doesn't always it doesn't always it's not always kind of life changing in a in a positive way but mm. um but it, you know because it is so powerful it really shifts into focus what is important and you gave some examples earlier but i've heard loads of similar ones as well of people who've actually realized that their their job that was you know they're probably very well paid had a very great position in their job but actually grief made them see that they had certain aspects of of life but not other important ones and actually that's where they wanted to put their time energy and focus on and I suppose it um it sharpens our focus on what's really important to us and I think I suppose the other thing is it highlights the preciousness of life and time and the sort of unknown quality around that for all of us um and that can be really frightening um you know death anxiety is a real thing and we all experience that and we all feel that regularly but actually you know there's also a real opportunity to um to surrender to some of that and to then um really lean into the things that are really important for you and that might not be on a massive scale but it might just be finding like a couple of tiny things that are really meaningful um that you could do in a few minutes of your day um yeah but as i said or it could be people completely changing um completely changing their their life um or you know their kind of structure and things like that um i think I think the other transformational thing, I keep coming back to it, but I think what it has the ability to do is to really connect people who might have had completely different life experiences or backgrounds or views. I think there's something about, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot at the moment about um, us kind of all emerging after these last 14 months. And actually, we've all experienced... Um, you know a very traumatic time and a difficult time and lots of losses um, and that's incredibly difficult and you know within that there's so many different intersections about how we've all individually come to those experiences but at the same time it could be incredibly galvanizing and connecting um, to realize that we've all been through something painful and that we could find kind of creative ways of mourning some of those things and giving space to our feelings, giving space to our stories, um, 
and you know and, and other ideas and I don't know I suppose now is a time to be really creative and playful about those things they can be very heavy and they are difficult but at the same time um, like you said we've sort of lost some of our old rituals and some of our rituals that we've had we've not been able to do because of COVID and restrictions so people are already being really inventive with ways of, of kind of connecting um, ritualizing remembering people um, but there's loads of different stuff that we we could do as well and I'm, I'm sure between between us all that there will be lots of um, kind of creative sparks there and 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 I'm just such a believer in the arts being a healing opportunity um, and a really deep healing opportunity. And I think that, you know, now more than ever, that's where we need all of these ways to express ourselves, connect, be playful, laugh and cry, um, you know, get the glitter out if that's your thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, sing. Uh, I I love the idea. If I, um, Carly and I at the Lost Project have spoken about, you know, what what are different ways that we could help people kind of experience their grief and loss. And you know, I love the idea of having drumming workshops or like kind of singing workshops where you're almost screaming, but you're making the sound um, something else. Um, it's all of these embodied ways of um, kind of getting out our expressions and 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 creating something like creating something new or creating something beautiful um, or it doesn't even have to be beautiful just creating something kind of powerful actually um, with all of these kind of feelings and emotions and experiences and stories that we've all gone through collectively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that could be um, the most amazing inventive hopeful inspiring opportunity for us to connect you know and there has been at times definitely that feeling of renewed care and a unified care for each other at times in this pandemic um there's been this sense of people coming together to try and express whether it's just clapping clapping the, the clap for nhs for a while was a unifying ritual for it felt at times you know and certainly in my area everyone was getting pretty creative we had trumpeters and all sorts of people going out <laughs> so you know um but I remember thinking at the time you know what I'd really think we need to have a weekly scream actually I'd like to start a <laughs> weekly scream that we just go out and scream really loudly and everyone has permission <laughs> um but yeah so so that yeah that it's it's hope it gives hope because it gives us that power of that energy to pass through us and to be, you know, for us to transform through it, you know, and to harness it and to be transformed by it and to surrender to it. Because a lot of my experience of loss is that, you you know, often you don't have any choice. None of us has had any choice. None of us, you know, we've all lost a huge amount of choice in the last while, you know, in lockdown has been all about no choice. You have no choice. You can't do lots of things. So, but then there's this surrender then that has to happen. When someone dies, you don't have a choice about that. But there's this surrender to loss, which is just very primal and difficult to describe, to be quite honest, in words. But but I think there's something that's very powerful about really letting go into it. And that my my what has my own experience is that I have now built faith. If I actually let myself surrender, I will come out the other side. Mm. And I remember when I traveled to New Zealand and they told me, look, if you get stuck in a rip and you're in the sea, do not fight it. Do not put your hands in the air. That's when you will get into trouble. 
go with it. Let it take you, let it take you. And it will probably just bring you back around. You have to let go, let the water take you and it will bring it back. You will bring you back to shore. And that, I thought that was an amazing thing because we are so conditioned to in this culture to stay in control and to seem like we're in control. But actually my experience of loss is that if I allow myself to surrender, to let go, it will, the tide will take me back round to home again. And, and there's no way of saying how long it might take either. And there's no kind of going to be any predictable route. Um, and there's not many safety jackets either, <laughs> but if I let go, I know I will get, you know, I'll be safer than if I actually struggle against it. So, you know, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for all of this. And, and where next for you in terms of, you know, where's the work developing to? Because we are in a slightly new phase, aren't we, in this lockdown? There there is a bit of hope, isn't there? There's some, for me, tentative hope as we start coming out. And so where next for you in the journey of of this work and and for you Steph you know where are you going next with all this yeah well I think um uh yeah it does feel like a period of hope and and change as well and um I'm um I've been thinking a lot about what is the the opposite of loss because although we need spaces to kind of have um yeah safe spaces to talk about these things to connect creatively to connect with others about it it also feels like we need spaces to kind of cultivate hope too. Um, so I'm um, kind of thinking about some of that in the background and hoping to develop some uh, creative workshops that be open for different people um, in the coming months. So um, uh, people can just follow my website and hopefully there'll be some information popping up in the in a few months time. Um, but we're doing a lot of work as well through the Lost Project Um uh, we, ha- we hold monthly uh, drop-in sessions that are completely free, they're online, they're called Spoon Rooms, um, a bit of a um, random name, um, a spoon is a kind of talking stick so um, it all will become clear um, if you come along but essentially um, they're an open space for people to come and connect and share what's up, whatever's on your mind about loss and grief in any of its forms. Um, it's a non-judgmental space everyone has an equal amount of time to share and um, a lot of the emphasis is also on listening to and again hopefully it's just a, a place that you can come um, be honest about your experience but also feel a little bit less alone um, so those advertise on the lost projects website so that's the lostproject.com um, and people can just sign up for our event right there um, and we are offering a, a, a number of different other kind of events and workshops and um, creative sessions too. So, yeah, best places to have a look on on our website for more details. Um, but, yeah, I think um, we're, we're sort of just at the start of this new phase, aren't we? And I think um, uh, I'm sort of entering it, entering all of this with a hopefully with a bit of curiosity um, and lots of compassion for myself and other people as we kind of, you know, I sort of got this image of of foals kind of finding their feet again. Um, so, you know, kind of and relearning the world that we, um, we've we sort of um, left behind for a little while and kind of finding out what we want to keep and what we don't and, you know, having space to make sense. And I think that's the other thing, kind of, there's a lot of... Um, space needed for meaning making um so that's sort of where I'm naturally kind of being pulled in my work so we'll see um 
but yeah, it's such a privilege to do this work really and to hear from people's own experiences and um, to kind of, um, yeah, connect into um, those, yeah, very tender parts of our lives and experiences and stories. Beautiful. And I know you bring so much um, honouring and so much you know talent and so much wonderful joyful creativity um as I said it was it was been my honor to work alongside you on some projects and to see the transformation that was happening in our local community when um we were living in the same community at that time and to see what that did for people and the connections that came out of um creativity which happens I mean, I'm lucky and I know you feel lucky too. We're lucky that we are in this work where we see it happening every day. And I believe the more of us that see this happening every day, it becomes more normal. This is like my lived reality that I can go and connect and express myself creatively with people as and when I feel the need through whatever means, whether it's singing, dancing, whatever. And and I get to feel that joy, that restorative connection and that hope that you mentioned which is so important because hope is just um it's you know it's not just um it's not a sticking plaster but it's it's a very deep sense of resilience I find to hope it's like that the sap coming up inside the trees in spring isn't it after winter it's like and that's where we literally are in the seasons at this particular moment in the UK so you know um yeah it's 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 the springing of hope and so um just i know you mentioned the lost project website that's fantastic but your own website where's that steph where can people find you to come um, and get hopeful <laughs> and glittery <laughs> um it's um stephanieturner.co.uk so ph and an ie but um i'm sure it will be um down there somewhere um <laughs> so you can have a look on my name below but yeah do um have a look on my website and um feel free to get in touch if you want any more information fantastic and you're on instagram and all those other places as well I aren't you um yeah so um there i am um well i've got the thing is all of my all of my social media handles are slightly different so if you go to my website you can you can find them all there at the, the bottom of the screen it's probably the best way to do it fantastic great well I'll make sure that your your links are all up loud and shiny so everyone can find that and to connect with Steph and as we said if you have any insights or you want to get in touch with Steph then please do uh, please email her or if you want to have anything to say about today's episode we know we've touched on some quite uh, vulnerable topics as well so um, please if if this has resonated for you in a way that you feel you need support please make sure that you do as Steph said reach out don't be alone there are people there are many wonderful organizations the lost project being one but make sure you reach out to your circles to your friends um we don't have to be alone in this we are in this as a global this particular time we're in this as a global community there is a potential for that to help unify us actually potentially as this is a thing that's impacted everyone everywhere so um you know, don't be alone. Know that you are not alone in this. Your loss is unique, but, you know, people, there are people, we're here for you, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we're here for you. And we reach out to you and we thank you for listening to everyone that's listened in today, tuned in, and to all the other episodes as well. You can find them on my website at uh, therosewindow.org slash vocal revolution zoomcast. 
and listen to Steph and to all the other wonderful speakers who've come to share their powers of wisdom and insight and help us transform. Uh, thank you again, Steph, so much for joining me today. If you any final things you'd like to say before we sign off? Um, well, just a big thank you for having me today, Katie. It's like it's such a pleasure, as always, to kind of connect creatively uh, on these, um, yeah, these kind of really profound um, parts of life, really. And um, just wanted to echo what you said. Just for anyone who's experiencing kind of loss and grief at the moment. Um, one thing to know is you're not alone. Um, there's lots of people out there who are up for listening. Um, lots of organisations um, like ourselves, but others that can help too. Um, and yeah, just to really encourage you to um, connect if you can. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And and get creative at home with your glitter. And <laughs> I can't keep, keep coming back to the glitter. I can't leave it alone for some reason. But anyway, um, but thank you. Thank you so much, Steph, for sharing your amazing, amazing insights with us and and your your you know the the stories from your work um which are just so tender and such great witness to the wonder of the work that you're doing and your great heart and your amazing creativity and thank you and and long may it continue and be nourishing for you in many ways thank you for joining us today thank you